All right, ready to get rolling? Um, not quite, but I'm willing to take a gamble. Oh, good. That's a really dice attitude you have there. Well, what can I say? Some days I just feel like I'm living in a pair of dice. Okay, I think they're tired of these terrible dice puns. Let's get on with it and talk about our favorite dice games. Hey everyone, I'm Spencer. I'm Laura. And this is the Married with Board Games podcast. Welcome to episode 34. Yes, the much-anticipated and delayed episode. (laughs) It has been delayed for one unforeseen circumstance after another. Yes, Uh, several. What a way to start out 2018. uh, But we're here and uh, ready to go. And, And in fact, Laura and I are not in the same room. No. This is our first experience with uh, co-hosting a podcast remotely. Right. So, fingers crossed that we can get through this. It took us probably about 45 minutes to get started. (laughs) (laughs) Laura's using a computer from, what, 2007, 2008? Uh, No, it would be like 2010, I think. Oh. Well, anyway, one reason or another, it, it took us forever to uh, get going, but we're going. Yeah. And and before we get into the show, I don't necessarily like starting off the things with a with a somber note, but this is something that's very important that we do want to address. Um, between the last time we recorded our our podcast and this time, um, we lost someone very close to us. Um, the person uh, his his name is Lynn Marshall. And he did the vocal introductions not only for our our first episodes whenever we had the hard rock music, but also he does the video, the the movie trailer voiceover announcement guy um, on those segments as well. Um, he's a very very instrumental to both of our lives. We're both very close to him. Um, he's a great mentor to us and our acting careers, but also just a great friend and. Um, and a big supporter of what we were doing here. Yes, it meant a lot to us to have him be a part of, of this show in one form or another. And uh, he, we know that he really enjoyed doing it. And so we just wanted to take this time here at the beginning of the show just to remember him, um, let y'all know what's going on, and um, want you to know that that we're going to miss him dearly. And um, his his effect will... Um, Will will remain. We still use his voice on our video introductions on our uh, our YouTube channel, but we will continue to do the movie trailers. Um, but we we have somebody found that will uh, be filling in for Lynn, and um, we'll, you'll find that out here pretty soon. Um, but we did just want to um, let y'all know that that we did lose our friend, and um, we will miss him. We will miss him very much. So thank you for uh, granting us that time to uh, to just reminisce about uh, the impact he had on our show. Uh, but with that being said, let's go ahead and continue on. We've got some great things lined up for the show. First of all, we're talking about a couple games we've been playing, uh, give our thoughts on those. And then we will head into our top, our favorite dice games of all times. We are always talking about dice games, aren't we, Laura? Well, maybe I'm more than you. Yes, that is true. Although everything is kind of we these days. Yeah. But um I think your your love of dice has, has certainly worn off on me. Ah. <laughs> so, I'm always looking for uh fun games that use use dice. Before we talk about our favorite dice games, let's talk about some games that we've been playing. Laura, why don't we begin with Illamat? Ooh, yeah. So this Definitely is, not a dice game. This is not a dice game. No <laughs> dice involved with Illamat. So if you'll remember way back in the summer, uh, we had some special guests on the show in our very first bonus episode. They were Keith Baker and Jen Ellis from Together Studios, and they were promoting their um, their new game on Kickstarter called Action Cats. But uh, we also had them talk about they run a, a game publishing company together. And so um, one of the games that they've recently published is called Illamat. And Laura, what's the unique unique twist to this game well um illamat was commissioned by the decemberists yeah uh with keith and uh basically what they were wanting from him was to create a game 
a new game that felt like it had been around for a long time, like an old classic. Um, so maybe thinking of the old standards, Euchre, Hearts, Spades, uh, different things like that, possibly even like a little bit of cribbage, um, trying to something that's been one of those standards, but it's a brand new game. Um, and you know what? I honest, I think Keith hit it out of the park. I agree. I agree totally. So, so this game, let's begin with the concept. So you've got this mat and this, it's not the element. It's like this, this cloth board, essentially. It's like, got, I think of it as a big bandana or possibly yeah. like a big square scarf. Yeah. That's, that's a good description of it. And it's got these four quadrants that the game calls fields. And uh, you've got this deck of cards that looks almost like a regular deck of cards, except the suits are different. There And there are five suits, right? Yes, there are five suits, and each suit is represented by a season. And that fifth suit is a star, which is like kind of like a wild, sort of. Yeah, so it can be any season. Yeah, so there's winter, summer, autumn, and spring. And uh, so uh, the board the the board is set up with some cards already in each field. But really, the goal of the game is to collect as many cards as you can, and you do that by performing one of three actions on your turn. You can either sow a field by putting one of your cards in your hand into one of those fields. You can harvest by discarding one of the cards in your hand into one of those fields, and you can take any cards that match that value which can include multiple cards that add up to that value, right? Such as if you were to place a nine into a field for harvesting and there was a two and a seven, you could take the two and the seven. Yeah. And you can as take- well as that nine that you laid down. They go into your pile, your harvested pile, basically. Exactly. And there's no restriction to the amount of cards you can take. Exactly. Uh, so if there were multiple nines in that field, as well as the two and the seven, you can mm-hmm. take all of those. Right. And then the third action is what's called stockpiling. And it's a little bit more of a complex move. Essentially, what you're doing is you're creating a new value in a field by playing one of your cards and adding it to one that's already there. The mm-hmm. catch is you have to have the matching value in your hand in order to be able to do that. So say another example using Lara's 9, if I wanted to add a 2 to that 7 to create a 9 stockpile, I would need to have that 9 in my hand um, without actually revealing it to everybody else. Right. And what that does is it sets you up on future turns to you know, come along and harvest that stockpile. You can Other people can build onto it. Um, so it's it's a very interesting concept that uh, you, if you can master, can really help you gather a lot of cards at one time. Well, and one thing that Spencer has mastered is using it to block me from getting <laughs> the card that I want. Say that I wanted that too, and he plays the seven on top of it. Now I can no longer harvest that too because it is now technically a nine thanks to the stockpiling action. Mwahaha, <laughs> that is mine. You. And and so what you do is you you play the game you play it's played in rounds and uh, a round is over once all the cards are exhausted every card out of your hand and all the cards out of the deck some other things going on are there are these in the middle there's a box and on the box there are sides that represent the different seasons and those seasons have restrictions on them like what Laura so I mean logically in winter you can't sew. Mm-hmm. You don't plant in the wintertime. Um, in the spring, you can't harvest. It's not ready to grow yet, or it's not ready to be harvested yet. Summer, you're good. Autumn, you can't stockpile. You need to harvest everything up before the winter comes. Um, so it's very, it's thematic, mm-hmm. those yeah. different restrictions. They, they totally fit. Yeah. This box will turn, though. And so yeah. you, you can't always count on the the effect being the same in each field from round or from turn to turn. Right. So, and like, so the way that the and you did say that the box is the illamat, right? I did not, but you did. Okay. There it is. Ooh, there's the illamat. It's that box in the middle. And um the way that turns is if anyone plays a face card down into a field of a certain season, you must turn the illamat so that that season is facing the face card that you just played. 
including if you play a star card, you get to select which season faces that field. So it can also be a good way to block your opponents from harvesting or stockpiling in any place that they were about to about to get some cards yeah so you have that going on and then there's the option of clearing a field so if you happen to take all of the cards out of a single field you can number one take what's called an ocus token if there are any left there are these brass looking laura likes that how do you describe them oh they're the monopoly rejects yeah, that's how they're... i feel like you've got like some kind of toy soldier a bathtub a sailboat and a tooth (laughs) (laughs) complete with like the roots and everything yeah so if you clear the field you get one of those there are also luminaries in each corner and and those luminaries are special cards um, that have special effects either one time or lasting effects and those will be flipped over and you look through the rule book see what the effect is and then the field is reseeded Right. And then if it's cleared again, the person that clears the field will gain that luminary along right. with any other Ocus tokens that are left. Yes. And so again, like I said, the round is over when all the cards are gone. And then you score the round. And so, Laura, how do you get points? If you have the most cards in hand, you get four points. If you have the most summer cards, you get two points. If you have the most winter cards, you lose two points. And then you get an additional one point for each full you have in your pile. Um, that's one of the face card types. You have another additional point for each Ocus token that you received in that round, and um, one point for each Luminary card that you re- acquired in that round. Yeah, and so you total up your points, and you keep track of them on the actual playing surface, and the first person to 17 points wins, and that's that's the game, really. I found that it takes a little bit longer. I don't know... I don't know if I'd say too long. Um, it just depends on how good you are at the game, I guess. If you can cl- get a lot of those bonus points uh, from round to round, you know, you can add up to 17 pretty quick. The box says you can, it starts at, you know, from 15 to 45 minutes. I don't think you can play this in 15 minutes, really. You would have uh, to get every possible bonus, including the correct luminaries that gr- grant you special bonuses as well. Like there's a luminary who gives you gives you two points for having the most winter cards instead of taking them away. Yeah, um, Basic, different things like that. Basically, I see it as 15 minutes per round. Um, yeah, and so if I, you, I agree. If you just want to play one round, you can. Um, so yeah, sure. Then it would be 15 minutes. Um, but there, there's that. Um, the player count plays from two to four players. Um, I definitely prefer this. Um, at the larger player accounts for special, I think that's where it really shines because you've got more thing, more people adding to the board, setting you up more or blocking you more. Uh, what do you? How do you feel about that? Um, I think it works both ways. Okay. I think the main thing with the time is that it has a, it's a tug of war mm-hmm. because in, like you've you've mentioned this before. I think you mentioned this in our video review. Mm-hmm. In our video review that will be going up on the Dice Tower soon, that um, in some rounds you can get a good amount of points, five, six points, and then other rounds you could get none. And it's just, and it makes, you know, it's similar in that way to Phase 10, I feel like. Mm -hmm. You can be really good getting those phases, and then I know some people poo-poo gamers poo poo phase 10 i'm just saying for those people who've played phase 10 and are familiar with it that's what the similarity is as far as the points um how it's a you can do really good in one round and then another round you're just staying stagnant and you can stay stagnant for a couple of rounds and then you can come back out of nowhere at the end and win it yeah we saw this happen firsthand (laughs) yeah and so that's why the time variant like spencer said like you can in, in fact, one of our friends, literally, he did not score any points until the last two rounds and came back and won the whole thing. Yeah. Just because he got it just right. Mm-hmm. And it was an amazing comeback. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it was really good. And yeah. But that is something. So that if I say you can house rule it, if you don't want to go all the way to 17 points, you can keep it at 10 mm-hmm. points or something. It's totally up to you. Yeah. But that's Illimat. I really enjoyed this one. And, um, Me too. I, think this I love is, the aesthetic. Yeah, it's really cool. It it looks, I like to think 
it looks like something you'd play in a secret society. Yes, with the black and white. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's pretty starkly black and white, except for the backs of the luminary cards, correct? Mm. Yes. and Those uh, are bright orange and yellow. And- yeah, there's a little bit of color on the um, the actual cards themselves with the... Some of the uh, the icons are a little bit muted colors, but other than that, it's mostly black and white. Right, but the artwork on it, it really does feel like some classic old world art. Nothing, I mean, it, I, I really enjoy it just for that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why I like it, is the fact that they were able to recreate that feel. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. Excellent entry from Together Studios. Makes us excited to see what else they're going to do. They, we've got some of their other games that we're going to review, um, which we're looking forward to. Uh, but definitely check this one out. If you're looking for something that kind of has like an old familiar feel, especially if you've got family members that are hesitant to uh, break into more gamery type games, you can use this one to ease them in because it, it feels kind of like a gamer's old card game, you know? Yeah. So and use this one and be like, hey, if you like this, we can show you more things like it. So that's, that's Illimat from Together Studios. Next, another one that we're excited about is the Ruhr. Ruhr. <laughs> it's got that weird Ruhr. I think you're supposed to, <laughs> I think you're supposed to emphasize that last R. Uh, Please tell me you're going to keep all that. Oh, I'm going to keep it all. Yeah, you're not all. cutting it out. Good. Yeah. Ruhr. Ruhr. Uh, this is from. R-U-H-R. R-U-H-R. Yes. This is from Capstone Games. It's right. The, it is the second entry in the Cold Trilogy um, by Right, Tom- this is following Hospital Connect. Yes, which we've talked about mm-hmm. um, by designer Thomas Spitzer. And uh, each entry in the series um, highlights a, a period in the, the coal industry over in Europe. Yes. Um, which has been, you know, whether or not you think it's a fascinating subject, um, getting to explore it in board game form is, has been really neat. I've learned oh, a lot. Oh, yes. I think so. And I, I was quite fascinated because I have – most of you know I have an interest in history. And I have family members who are very well-versed in history, wouldn't you say, Spencer? I, I definitely agree. They really know their history. And I was mentioning that we are reviewing this particular line of games. And I was telling them about Hospital Connect and that I, was, I, I figured it – was probably earlier than the 1700s, but they corrected me. I didn't realize that the coal industry was as recent as the 18th century. I, I just thought that was really fascinating. But anyway, this is moving on into um, a little more industrialized. Yeah. So, so the premise of Hospital Connect is you're essentially you're you're mining. You're doing the mining. Mm-hmm. So that's. Um, that's what that game was about. And this game is about taking the coal to various locations. Right, transport. Uh, yes, um, on the river. Uh, the Ruhr. 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 So this is, uh, <laughs> at its at its core, this is a pick-up-and-deliver style game with some a little bit of worker placement, maybe. Um, yeah, a, a hint yes. of worker placement. Didn't you say some engine building? Engine building, yes. Yes, for sure. And so what you're doing is you have a little ship, a little boat. It's a cute little boat. Yeah, and uh, what you're doing is your you barge. go- Your barge. Your thank you. And you go to these various locations along the river, and you pick up coal. And the coal is represented by dice. And uh, the dice have a pip value, and that is the value of the coal, like the quality of the coal. So the higher the number- the, the higher the quality of the coal, right? And so there are two different colors of dice. The black dice are for, for the lower end of the river, and the, the white dice are for the, the higher end of the river. And so they're just to basically separate where the coal is coming from. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to do is you take these these coals, uh, these, these coal cubes, and deliver them to various locations. And when you do, you can sell it. And when you do that, you can unlock these development uh, areas on your player board which will then allow you to unlock more abilities, some one-time use abilities, basically allows you to progress even further into what you're able to do by picking up this coal and delivering it in other places. For example, um, you can get the ability to go further up the river and uh, gain the white, uh, be able to pick up the white coal and transport it to different areas on the board. 
Well, one of the things that I like is that you're able to build locks. This allows you to bypass some of the, um, I guess you would say, obstacles in the river. Yeah. Which, that's one one of the things I really like about this rule book is it gives you the historical significance of each of these things, mm-hmm. each of these um, developments or, or um, abilities that you're unlocking. And when it comes to the locks, it's because um, if you came across those obstacles, they would have to remove the coal from the barge on one side of it and transport it across and then put it load it onto another one, which of course would degrade the quality of the coal. And at some points you would even just end up with coal dust because it had just worn down so much from wear and tear of transport. Whenever you cross those obstacles without a lock, your coal, when you sell it, loses is a lower value than what you mm-hmm. picked up. So that's an incentive for you to build a lock is to remove that obstacle so your coal in maintains that integrity and mm-hmm. is still worth as much when you get to the next location. Yeah. And you could do things like build warehouses on these locations so that mm-hmm. when another player delivers a location, you get a coin. You can build refineries. You can use it to trade with different countries. Um, wh- what's really cool is as you're doing your actions, though, the, the, the game is each round is broken up into various phases. And some of those phases include historical moments. Um, and so like some actions or some, some events that happen in the game reflect what's happening in that time in history. And sometimes they're good things and sometimes they're not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For, to be perfectly honest. It's it's just very true. Lara is really good at this game. She stomps me. What's cool is, though, they also give you a module called the Ohio River, um, which allows you to play essentially the same mechanisms, but over in the States and transporting goods uh, down that river over there instead of coal. And so overall, I, I really like this game. What about you? I think it's just a creative idea. I really enjoy it. Um, it's a whole new take on the pick up and deliver for me. Mm-hmm. And in in a way that I like it. And so um, I enjoy this game and I'm very excited to play it again. And yeah. I'm excited to try the Ohio module. So the thing about this game is it it was overwhelming to me at first to learn. The rule book is, is, is fairly thick. There are a lot of words. <laughs> it just, on the surface, it looked complex to me. But once you get in, I, I think the best thing to do with this game is just get it out on the table and just just go. You know, read through the rule book one time, but put it on the table and just walk through each phase step by step. And after that first round, everything clicks pretty pretty quickly, right? Yeah, I, I definitely. I really enjoyed that of unlocking those different abilities after delivering coal at certain locations. That was really cool. Well, what what I like about that is it's all personalized based on where you're delivering uh, the mm-hmm. coal because, you know, the certain combinations of areas on the river where you deliver is how you unlock these different abilities. And so Lara may focus solely on this one part of the river, whereas I'm like, I'm going to do one of each Every time, you know, in a row so that, you know, it's it's all based on the order that you deliver these things is how these these um, abilities unlock. And so your experience is going to be vastly different from somebody else's. And you can try something completely different the next time you play, which is really neat. I really like that aspect of this game. I think this is definitely a game that I will play just like you said, to try different things. I don't, I'm not going to care if I'm winning or not. It is simply to try out different strategies and, and really stretch the mechanics and see how they work. And, um, I think that's a really cool aspect of this game. I've never played a game where I've felt that way before that I just want to explore all these different things. And that's definitely what I want to do with this game. Awesome. High praise from Laura, a game where you can explore strategies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow, you make me sound so simple-minded. <laughs> that was win, not win, my win, intention. Win. <laughs> However, I um, praise from us for the Ruhrer. <laughs> the Ruhrer. Ruhrer from uh, Capstone Games. And we'll be doing a video review on that one very soon. We may be a little late to the party, but I think there are several of us who can count ourselves in the field for this game. That's Mechs versus Minions from Riot Games. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was a hard game to to acquire, and uh, <laughs> we actually had to do a little bit of wheeling and dealing to get our copy. Man, am I glad we did! First off, we got it from a great guy, friend of the podcast, who took excellent 
exquisite care of this game mm-hmm. so that it was pretty much in mint condition when we received it. So thank you to Mike. This has been a, an absolute blast. Like just looking at the box and everything, I, w- I was pretty overwhelmed. Like I was thinking this was going to be something very heavy. <laughs> Not literally, but... <laughs> It is literally it is, very heavy. It is literally heavy. But um, something, you know, that was going to be like a brain burner or something. Not at all. Not at all. Do not be intimidated by that. Max versus Minions, it's in the League of Legends. League of Legends, yeah. Universe. And what exactly is that, Spencer? I don't know. <laughs> it's a video <laughs> game uh, by Riot Games. Isn't and, it uh, one of those mass... Massive Whatever. multiplayer MMORPG. I, I don't know. I think it is. It might be. I, from what I've heard, I think it is. Um, listeners, educate us. us. Yes, please. Yeah. Tweet at us. In this game, we are you're playing one of four different mechs that honestly they are specialized. That so it is a little asymmetrical with that. And um, you're. It's really cool the way they work you through it step by step. You're like at a school, an academy of some sort, and you're learning about how to work your mech and and how to fight the bad guys, the minions, and it's a step by step process with really good tut- really good tutorials. And basically, it's a program action program movement game, and quite literally, it, it <laughs> takes it to like computer programming level of you've got this super cool board in front of you. You get these cards dealt out to you and you have to, um, real time, everybody selects a card to, to take and put into their program board. You're putting them in certain order and you have to go in order from left to right, executing each of those actions that you've selected and different things will happen throughout gameplay that you can upgrade them by adding some a layer on top of it so that maybe you'll add extra spaces to your movement or your attack area will widen different things like that or you could get damaged by a minion and you have to take draw another card that will go into a slot and will cause some kind of haywire <laughs> mistake to happen of roll a die and move one space in that direction or move two steps to the left out just just out of nowhere um and that has to go into your program order and it's hilarious so it's like that some of the names of the cards are like uh stuck jammed controls or something like that so if you envision this happening you know you're trying to be all strategic planning your movements you know step by step and then you get hit by one of these minions and your your controls get jammed and you're like and And you're moving around in a circle (laughs) yeah you're you're directly you're turning 180 and facing the exact wrong direction from what you were trying to do well, and then there's even just the possibility of the wrong cards are coming out whenever it's time to draw, when it's yeah. time to draft. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> there were some games we've played where people were literally like, I'm still facing the wall. <laughs> I, I need a card to turn around. And like <laughs> facing a wall and moving forward into the wall because they don't have a card to turn around, literally. It's hilarious. Yeah. You and- can't die. Yeah, I love that you can't die. Taking damage is in the form of those different haywire problems. I think that's a really neat idea. Me too. I love it. And I, the one thing that I thought, and I think Spencer felt this way too, I never thought we would run out of minions <laughs> in a game because as large as that box is, the majority of it is full of minions. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. And we've come pretty close to running out of minions. Oh, we did run out. We filled up the board (laughs) with minions because we couldn't take them out at all because we were getting hit all the time and weren't able to attack. And But the crazy thing is we were so awesome that we still won that mission. And that's the cool thing about the game is it's it's mission-based. And so, like, with each mission, there a new element is added, basically. You're either adding a new rule or a new type of, of bad guy or um, a new objective. And so each time you play, it's, um, it's, it's a different experience. And I really like that. I, I do, too. And 
and like you said, not just every time you play, but even with new people. Yeah. And, and as you, even as you switch around characters, because, mm-hmm. um, those characters sometimes will have a special ability that will unlock and you really, I don't want to go too deep into those things. Those are just the kind of thing that you would need to get your hands on a copy of the game and check them out yourself. Mm-hmm. But man, what a blast. It yeah. was, I mean, I haven't laughed that much in a, what I thought was going to be a strategic board game in a long time. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I think that's your assessment is on point. You know, it's, it's definitely got that program action thing where if you like to be in control of what you're doing, you probably won't enjoy this unless I think you should just try it and step away from, from your control nature and just have fun with it. Right. Yeah. Go with, I mean, the vibe of the whole thing is pretty cartoony, funny. That's what this is. Yeah. So, I mean, don't be too heavy-handed and everything. Just, like I said, I I only expect to laugh as much as I did when I'm playing party games. Mm -hmm. But this was... And so that's why I loved this experience. If I was getting to play a super fun, boardy board game. Boardy board game. But (laughs) I was laughing as much as I would with a silly party game well it's cool too because you're not just laughing at yourself you're laughing at everybody else too (laughs) and it's it's cooperative right so you you know the good thing is you can't you know there's no friendly fire so that's good but you know sometimes you're trying to rely on your teammate and they like i can't do anything and so you can you can actually move them around the board for them you know you can push them you can pull them you can (laughs) Knock them into an oil slick and make them slide across the board. Yes. Um, and, and sometimes on purpose and sometimes accidentally. <laughs> yep. Wait, I was, I was set up perfect to, to take out that villain, but you just pushed me into the oil slick and I'm halfway across the board. So it's funny <laughs> yeah. situations like that, that it's just fun with a group of friends to play. Um, and again, the, the production quality is just top notch. Oh my goodness. Magnificent. If, I mean, you're getting more than what you pay for with, with this thing for sure. Yes. If you can, if you can find anywhere on Board Game Geek, if somebody is selling a used copy. Well, why don't I look right trade? now? Let me go and see if, if it's in stock. How about that? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, even in stock. I mean, it was what MSRP 75? I believe so. Good night. That is purchase is well now. worth more than that. Oops. Merch store is temporary, o- temporarily offline for planned system maintenance. Check uh, back in a few hours. I'm not going to check back in a few hours. But no, thanks. Okay. I believe you can purchase it and it's in stock. Okay. Well, I think it's well worth it. If you can find, if that is a hefty price tag, we've talked about it before, about board games being affordable. Mm-hmm. If you know you've got four good friends that you could play this with, maybe the four of you could chip in together on it. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, that would definitely help and make it well worth it. And then you would all have a own a piece of it. And I think you would really enjoy it. It's a fun game. That's Mechs versus Minions from Riot Games. Okay, before we move on to our topic of the show, let's take a quick message break. And we're back with our favorite dice games. Let's roll with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't think of any more dice puns. I'm all punned out. So, as stated before, we like dice games. And, you know, it's... I was trying to think of what, how would you classify a dice game. And for me, it was more about, you know, if that's the main focus of the game, right? Sure. If, um, you know, a lot of games use dice, but, you know, what is a dice game? Like, I considered Champions of Midgard for this list... Me um, too. And I would call that a dice game because it's a game about Vikings and your Vikings on your dice. So, case closed, it's a dice game. Done. Don't argue with me. Unless you have No. One. Okay, yeah, don't. So, uh, <laughs> spoiler, I did not put it on my list, but I have some others. So, we're going to do our top five. And um, these are all great games. And, and to be honest, um, I mean, everything that's on Lara's list could just as easily have gone on my list. And, and I'm sure, versa. yeah, exactly. But we just want to talk about as many as we can. And uh, we'll get started. How about uh, we start with you, Laura? What's your number five? Okay, my number five is Werful Bonanza. And this is Bonanza the Dice Game, basically. Yeah. Um, We got to play this at BGGCon. And um, I had only ever played Bonanza once before, the, the 
regular normal bonanza. I liked it okay. Um, it wasn't the best gaming experience. Plus, I was like, ugh, this artwork. Why can't they update this? This <laughs> mm. looks like it's from like 1972. <laughs> so, when, when we found out there was a huge bin of every kind of bonanza ever made at BGGCon, we went, oh, cool. Let's go see what they've got. And they had the dice game. So, we got it out and um, actually had a, a lady come and join us. And, and we had quite a fun game. Mm-hmm. Um it was kind of hard because uh, I think some of the in- the English directions were missing. So we were missing out on something. But all in all, we were still enjoying the game. You just keep rolling dice, planting them in the field, um, trying to make these particular combinations uh, according to the cards that you've drawn. And uh, I really enjoyed it. What did you think? I love this one, too. And it's it's one that I would like to track down eventually. That's the thing. It's not published in English. So you got to find it. I'm sure you can find it online somewhere for not too too expensive. But um, I think it captures a lot of the concepts of the basic game um, in the dice format very well. And, yes, and, and I think because of that, we could play it with Emma. Yeah, well, that that's that's so true. And I would much rather, I'd actually much rather play this in the card game. You're not having to keep up with all those cards and... I don't know. There's just something about rolling the dice as compared to drawing and drawing and drawing cards and watching other people draw those cards that for some reason, the drawing the cards makes me feel much more angry. <laughs> Whereas the dice rolling, I'm like, ah, okay. It was just a roll of dice. Yeah. You know, I'm and- more easygoing about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be easy, an easier concept for younger players um, with rolling dice rather than choosing between physical cards in their hand of, should I keep these or should I keep these? These are more expensive, but these are coming up more, and I would be able to complete a set easier with these. It, mm-hmm. it, I think that the dice would be much easier. Yeah, that's it for me. That's my number five is Warful Bonanza. Awesome. Well, my number five is a new addition to our collection, and that is Pandemic the Cure. Not a lot to be said about this one other than it's just the dice version of Pandemic, and it's awesome. Um, the creativity that Matt Leacock had to translate all of the core concepts of Pandemic uh, but in dice form, uh, just astounds me. It's just, you sit there playing it the whole time. This feels just like Pandemic, but in dice form. Seriously. Um, which is so cool. Um, yeah. It's got, and but I think the tension of the game is even more so in this, because there's just, it's it's kind of like how you mentioned in Werfel Bonanza. I think there's something more about the pressure luck aspect of rolling dice versus drawing cards, because you feel like you have more of an element of control about what you're doing, but at the same time, you you don't have any more control than you would of drawing cards. Right. Um, so, um, but it's really cool, you know, each each specialist has their own set of dice to use, and I, and I love this one, and, and the expansion just adds on to that. Excellent one, and if, if you like Pandemic, I definitely recommend you you check out The Cure. Very cool. That was on my short list, and basically I just didn't put it on my list so we wouldn't have any crossover. <laughs> but we still have crossover anyway. We still do. My number four is from Gray Fox Games. This is one that we've recently talked about on the podcast, and it is Harvest Dice. Um, this is a roll and write game, and uh, it's it's quite a bit of fun. I was expecting this to be like a little kid game. Um, the artwork looks very much like one of those apps, um, those cheesy apps you see on your phone that has like all the the puzzles to it and everything. This has a lot more strategy to it than I was expecting, but it's still not like heavy, heavy, heavy strategy. Like it's a light game that, and it's quick yeah. um, and uh, super fun. Uh Really enjoy this one. Harvest Dice. No, I agree with you. Uh, this is totally a great one for family and casual gaming. And I'm um, super, super happy to, to have this one in our collection. Okay, my number four is Bang the Dice Game. This is a, a really good one for, for large size groups. A lot of fun rolling the dice, trying to get those targets, trying to shoot your opponent, but also trying to collect some beer to heal your wounds, maybe <laughs> even to press your luck even further to get the uh, Gatling gun, to get three of those, um, but all the while trying to avoid the dynamite and the arrows so that you don't get shot up by the Indians. And trying to figure out who 
everyone's hidden role is. Exactly. And top of the on top of the dice element, you've got that hidden role uh, aspect to the game as well, which I always love hidden role slash deduction style games. It's a great mix, all based around the dice rolling element. Great fun in the Wild West. That's Bang the Dice Game. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. Thank you. My number three is Role Player. Awesome. Um, We've talked about this game a lot. It's just like, I think it's one of the quintessential dice games nowadays, quite possibly. You're basically, you're rolling a player, like for an RPG game, and these dice are literally going on the sheet and telling you how much in each of those different characteristics and abilities uh, your character has. Um, But there are certain goals you're trying to meet to make your character a certain class or or alignment or whatnot. The better you do, the more stars you get, and the person at the end of the game, you're also acquiring armor and skills, super fun stuff like that. But anyway, at the end of the game, the person with the most stars wins. What a, what an awesome game. Was, I, I really enjoy this. It was a very creative idea to make a game out of rolling a character. I just love the variety when you play it from game to game. You know, um, your goals change based on what character you get, what your, you know, what your class you are, that kind of thing. I agree. It's a lot of fun. And really excited about the upcoming expansion. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. My number three, Lara has still somehow managed to not play. And uh, although I think she would quite like it, and that is Dice Masters, most more specifically the Justice League uh, Dice Masters set. Um, it's the only one that I've played, and it's the only one I own. But Dice Masters, if you've never heard or have ever played, it's it's essentially kind of like deck building, but with dice. So you can create your team going into the game, and you can, if you're playing Justice League, obviously you can your teams are made up of characters from DC. Uh, DC Comics, um, but there are several different sets from D&D to Spider-Man, they're all different Marvel properties, almost anything you can think of at this point, uh, X-Men, there's a set for that. Each character has custom dice, but what you do is is you're putting together, you're building a bag of your different dice for your different characters, and on your turn, you're like trying to attack the other player with the dice that you have from your team that you've assembled. It's really cool. I really enjoy this, although I do not enjoy this in a competitive setting, such as tournaments and such. I think it's (laughs) that's too much competition for me, but I do enjoy it in a casual setting. Um, So for me, my number three is Dice Masters. Awesome. So that means we're on to number two, right? That is correct. Okay, number two for me. You've heard about it plenty here on the podcast, and that is Flatline from Renegade Games. Man, this game, like I've said before, I can't get enough of it. (laughs) I will always be up for a game of Flatline. Not only is it a dice game, it's cooperative, and it's real time. And those are all things that I love. (laughs) It's the the, uh, sequel to Fuse in that mm, you weren't successful, (laughs) and the bomb exploded. And now you're having to... You're a doctor in the medical bay trying to uh, take care and save these people who are within the blast radius, all while your ship is losing power because of the explosion. There are all sorts of different emergencies coming up that are limiting what you can do in that particular round. Golly, it's so much fun. It's so high stakes. So many of our games have come down to the wire. Oh, yeah. It's so thrilling. What a cool experience to have with your fellow players. Very thematic, immersive time. And I love it. And that is Flatline from Renegade. Well, speaking of real-time dice and cooperative games, how about oh, my number? Oh, yeah. How about my number two? Uh, yeah. Es- Escape Curse of the Temple. From Queen Games. Yeah, it's it's kind of a similar idea in that, like like, like I said, it's, it's real-time and you're rolling dice all at the same time. But what I like about this one is you're, you've got a board and you're, you're a team of explorers trying to explore rooms in this temple, but also get out. And so you're physically moving your person around the board and you're using your dice to do that. But however, you, you're constantly rolling and picking them up and rolling and rolling and you get symbols to make you move. You get symbols to, gosh, it's been a while since we've played this one. Um, so I can't, <laughs> I can't remember everything about it. Well, you have to have symbols to be able to move into the room. 
Yeah. You're wanting to unlock crystals because you right. have to have so many crystals dis- dispersed throughout the temple in order to be able to escape in right. the third round. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain, there's a black mask on your die that locks your die. And you can't re-roll that one until you get a gold mask. And so mm-hmm. you can basically get stuck. Like, you, you don't want to get too far away from your fellow players. Yeah, because if you end up rolling too many of those those masks, all of your dice will get locked. And you have to wait for someone to come save you, uh, which really uh, dramatically derails the mission. Yeah, because if you – because you have a certain amount of time that you're mm-hmm. out in the temple exploring, basically laying out the tiles and getting those crystals dispersed from the depot – but you are supposed to get back to the starting point. Mm-hmm. You have to get back there. And if you don't, you have to discard one of your dice. Yeah. And so now you're rolling with fewer dice. Mm-hmm. I, I have this one is is really stressful in a good way. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't take it seriously. You can't get bummed, da- bummed out if it's just not going your way. But it's quick. It's a 10 minute game. And um, it's got a really cool soundtrack that, does a great job of breaking up the segments of the game. I always have fun with this one. It's definitely one that needs to get back to the table very soon. And that mm-hmm. is Escape the Curse of the Temple. Sweet. Okay. We're at number one. Mm-hmm. Um, my number one, one that we haven't talked about in a while. We sure haven't. A while. Have we even talked about this on the show? Hmm. That's a good question. We might not have. I don't think we have. This one is Elder Sign from Fantasy Flight Games. Surprise! Whoa. A Cthulhu Mythos game. <laughs> <laughs> In the base game, because there are several, several expansions to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you're exploring the museum at Miskatonic University. All these strange exhibits. Some kind of event is happening at those, and you're having to... Um, roll dice to meet these certain requirements in order to dispel that event all the while trying to block this elder god or ancient one or whatever the hierarchy is from (laughs) (laughs) from coming back to earth and and you either have to fight that thing or if it's the whatever azathoth or something then you're Mm -hmm. just that's it (laughs) he just devours the whole world um but this is dice rolling at its finest, I think, of having to meet these certain requirements. You have investigators that you are playing as with certain abilities, like being able to re-roll a certain result or add an extra die, or you get an extra clue token, which a clue token allows you to re-roll as many dice as you want to, different things like that. Super, super fun. And even though the the theming is weird. You know what? I think this was the first Cthulhu Mythos game I ever played with you. Uh, yeah, I believe it. And I was weirded out by what all this <laughs> stuff was. But, man, I, I've i dug in deep now with this stuff. It's super cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just really like it. And I think that's super fun. And we also we love the app version. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fun and handy to play if we're ever traveling with flights or trains or whatever that we can play together that way. And uh, we really enjoy this one. And that is Elder Sign from Fantasy Flight. Well, my number one is Elder Sign from Fantasy <gasps> Flight. What? Yeah. I you. um <laughs> I um I had to do it. Um you Yeah. It's it's been one. It's been a number one. It's been a constant for me. Um, as as soon as I saw this game on tabletop with Will Wheaton, I knew I mm. wanted it, and um, it's just been a a staple in our collection. And I agree for, with that f- for good reason. I like. I love that you can really craft a great investigator team by by picking the right investigator with their special abilities. Um, really utilizing those their strengths. Uh, to to overcome the different obstacles, I love the variety that, that the expansions have or that, that they add. Now, sometimes we may want to keep them in, and sometimes we may not. Like the uh, the uh, Gates of Arkham, you know, kind of comp- complicates things a little bit. And yeah. so, if you want to add the added challenge and complexity to the game, you have that option. But if you want to strip it down to its basic elements, you can. You know, it's 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 fun to not only complete those tasks but also be aware of ones new ones that come up have lasting effects where if you don't deal with them soon 
more horrible things will happen to you. Oh, like the um, midnight effects? At midnight, yeah. Yeah. You know, or upon entry, like whenever you go to Ooh, the- true. Yeah. To the Those different locations. the worst. Yeah. And so you really either have to, you've got the option to go to the gift shop, you know, and um, buy items. You can collect items that, that help you complete these tasks. So there's a lot you can do um, that make it feel like an immersive experience, like an adventure. But in so reality, cool. it's just some cards and some dice. Yeah. Um, and, and we have a great time every time we play it. And we haven't played it in the board game form in a while. It's been a while since we've done that. But we've, we always, we occasionally get in a, an app play. So let's break out, break that one out pretty soon too. Yeah. So we, every time we go through one of these lists, we always say, I mean, we haven't played that game in a while. We need to do that. <laughs> yeah. The Elder life. Sign is just, it's such an epic experience. Yeah, it is. Oh, and we've had so many experiences we're like, again, it's come down to the last round. There, There's one game I will never forget. Everybody, Me, I already know exactly what you're talking about. We were playing a four-player game, and everybody was eliminated but one person, our friend Krista. And she was going up against the big bad, and it was just her. And she just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And with every roll, she would deal damage. And somehow she hung in there and survived. And she defeated it single-handedly. It was amazing. It was, again, it was like... Anybody else rolling dice like that, your odd, the odds are against you. But somehow she pulled it off, and it was epically awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. So those are our favorite dice games. Some honorable mentions. Uh, Sagrada, right, Laura? Um, yes. Uh, let's see. Formula D is a fun dice game, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, driving cars around. Liar's Dice is, is, is kind of fun. Not a lot oh, that to it. That is a fun it. game. We would love to hear your favorite dice games, and you can share those with us in one of several ways. Like what, Lara? Well, they can tweet to us at MarriedWithBG. Uh, you can write to us on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash MarriedWithBG. We have our website, MarriedWithBG.com, and uh, you can find... Links to our email addresses there. Be on the lookout for some upcoming content from us, such as some reviews. Um, we should be back to normal schedule for our podcast, barring any more unforeseen circumstances. What else? Do we have any other announcements? Um, if you haven't yet and you are thinking about it, check out Tickets for Dice Tower Con for yes. 2018. It's going to be a blast. We're going to be there, and we would love to see you there and yeah. meet you. And That'll say hi. Awesome. How are you? Nice Hello. to meet you. Thanks for listening. We will do <laughs> that very thing. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else and I don't have anything else, let's call this one. All right. This has been episode 34 of the Married with Board Games podcast. I'm Spencer. I'm Laura. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.